Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is someone that I think you will know well, someone who I have long wanted to find an excuse to talk to on this show. Hercules Gomez, the former Sounder, MLS Cup winner with the Sounders. That's right. And, You're welcome. Uh, and I don't, yeah, exactly. And I don't think I don't think anyone is better positioned to talk about uh, the Sounders Santos Laguna matchup than than you, having played for both teams. Uh, so I thought this was an easy one. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me, Jeremiah. Um, Seattle was always those were good times. Those those games back in the back in the day in CCL play, and you know, two two clubs that are near and dear to my heart for how the fans treated me for my time there for how it went I, I ended up being a champion in both of them so it was a uh, it, it was definitely a thrill being part of these great organizations how similar they are it's funny um when I think about the similarities between the two I, I called Tigres versus Santos and now I'm going to have the fortune for again for ESPN of calling Santos versus Seattle so that's going to be a, a fun one as well yeah it's Santos and the Sounders seem to be like these two organizations that are like gravitationally attracted to one another. Um, and they just announced a strategic partnership, which I don't know. I don't know what that means. I suppose at some point we'll find out, but uh, it sounds like it's between Adrian Hanauer or the Sounders and the group that owns Santos Laguna, which I guess is not just, they don't like the, the guy who owns them. It doesn't just own Santos Laguna. Is that right? Correct. They, they own a, a string of teams, uh, another first division team in Mexico called Atlas. Uh, very, very popular team um, in a region, uh, Guadalajara, a lot of students, a um, lot, of, lot of fan base, a lot of potential there. And I think Alejandro knows that he, he's very savvy in the way he goes about it. He's a businessman but he's a very good businessman within the sport. Um, and Alejandro Gregori runs Orlegi Sports, which kind of oversees, you know, these different teams that they have, uh, quite frankly, not just in Mexico, they're looking to acquire more around the world. Mm. Yeah. So, so is that kind of like a, a burgeoning like Red Bull or city football group kind of situation? Sort of, sort of. Um, you, you could, you could say that I, I wouldn't say their brand is, is, is that big or the reach is that big, but they're very smart. Um, even since I was there, I was there almost a decade ago, um, 2012, 2013. Um, and, and they had strategic partnerships, sister clubs, if you will, with Celtic, you mm. know, and they would send, they would send employees down there and kind of get a sense for what life was like as an employee at Celtic, how they did business, how they did scouting, how they did video, how they did, you know, their game day operations, um, everything on the field. Santos is one of the first clubs that, that kind of, I don't want to say money ball because that's, that's a very cheap in term these days, but their, their sports science department or their sports, um, I should say intelligence, inteligencia deportiva, they call it in, in, in Mexico, uh, these teams, um, they would 
do a good job of picking players um, that were on the cusp of being the next big thing. So as they explained it to me uh, when I got there, like we may not have a lot of A players, but we've got a lot of B players on the verge of becoming A players. And because of that, they were the most successful teams in the last two decades. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a team to reach so many finals to win different coaches, different styles, um, but the same kind of mantra, you know, it's, this is, this is Santos and, and uh, you, you, you will be respected, you know? Um, so it sounds like this might not just be a throwaway thing that there might be something here where the, there's actual some trading of, of uh, maybe not player assets, but certainly intelligence and, and uh, you of know, course. those kinds of things. Of course, especially I would say on the developmental side, uh, Mexican football is a world powerhouse when it comes to youth national teams and their player development is, is second to none. So definitely things that uh, you can borrow from each other um, that I think both would, would benefit from. Uh, obviously, Santos would be very much keen in the game day operations of what Seattle and the culture of what Seattle has has done um, game day wise and, and the great fan base and how they can do more for their amazing fan base because they've got a lot of loyal fans but how much more can they do for these fans make it a more game day enjoyable experience i think would that be something that santos could pick away from seattle and what do you do you have any sense of what seattle might be getting out of this other than just sort of having tapping into the mexican market well that that youth that youth development experience i think would be vital um it's one thing to have homegrowns um it's another thing to be churning them out and sending them overseas, um, mm. like, like, uh, Santos has, you know, they just sent, sent Santiago Munoz to Newcastle, you know, and he's a player that maybe had 15 first division games, 19 years old. And now he's, you know, in the premier league going to try to buy his way into that first team. So, uh, they, they, they've been known to do this. They've been known to let players go. They've been known to bring in, um, Fresh ideas, foreign ideas that are sometimes unheard of in, in Mexican soccer. So, you know, there's always something you can learn. Yeah. So the way that this, the the occasion of this announcement is around this League's Cup game that's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, what is your impression? It's we're very early in the lifespan of League's Cup. I think this is really the first year that it's been a proper something like a proper tournament where teams had to qualify in and. You know, at least the Sounders seem to have taken the first part of it seriously. You called that game against Tigres. Yeah. What do you make of the tournament so far? So this is what I make of the tournament in general. And I'll tell you so far. In general, this will be, we hear this fusion of Liga Mekis MLS. And it's going to be a Super League in North America. And will it happen? It's not going to happen that way. There's not going to be a combination of the two leagues and it's going to replace Liga Mekis and replace Major League Soccer. What will happen is this. League's Cup will be that interliga play. Um, from speaking to Mexican Liga Mekis presidents of the past and present in Arriola and Don Garber on multiple occasions, they would like this to be from four teams Liga Mekis to four teams Major League Soccer to eventually eight to eventually 12, to eventually 16, to eventually some sort of cup interliga play. So it doesn't replace a season, but it will be a season within a season, which I think can be pretty cool. Uh, and it will get there. And eventually, starting next the next go-around, um, you will have a CONCACAF Champions League spot in place. 
So winner gets another spot. So I think that's extremely valuable. What it is today is a tournament that I wish more major league soccer clubs took seriously. Um, because at the end of the day, the league I make club see a major league soccer team and it's a rivalry to them. They don't want to lose regardless who plays. And we've seen in CCL play a million excuses to why major league soccer doesn't win. It's the salary cap. It's, it's the calendar, you know, it's so-and-so, whatever it may, it's congestion of games, whatever it may be, there's always an excuse and it's always Liga Mekis winning. And quite frankly, this is a competition where now your U.S. men's national team's churning out more players, you know, going overseas, where now your national team isn't always dominated by Mexico like it was in before the 90s or before the 2000s, I should say. The tide is churning and they feel it there. All of a sudden, they see Major League Soccer getting closer, but that to them, that's still the one thing where they have dominance over the. Because we, I shouldn't say U.S., but it is U.S. You know, they don't equate Major League Soccer as Canadian League. Also, they see Major League Soccer and they think U.S. So they take this seriously. Um, and, and quite frankly, I don't understand why more clubs don't think. Wait, I play three, four games and I win a trophy. Yeah, an that international was, trophy. That was going to be thinking. Yeah, I never understood the teams, even in Open Cup, that are like, oh, I'm not going to take this so seriously, even though in five games I could win a trophy. Like, what? You know, so I wish they took it more seriously because, quite frankly, it can get embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you see things happen like New York City, even though that was a crazy monsoon-like atmosphere and whatnot, but New York City lose to a Pumas team that if there was relegation in Mexico right now, if it wasn't paused, would be in the second division. You know, it was it was an, an embarrassing thing to see. And then you get teams like Seattle who take it seriously with who they have, that next man up mentality. Take it to a Tigres team that's one of the richest rosters in Latin America. Yeah, you know, that was the thing that struck me is that even though they didn't have their A team, Tigres, like the value of their roster of the guys who played was still like three times what the Sounders was. Uh, yeah, don't... Don't use people shouldn't use that. Didn't have their A team as an excuse because every single one of those players who played would be a starter anywhere else in the yeah. Mekis and would be and most likely ninety percent of that that team that lineup and the subs would be designated players right. within Major League Soccer. Yeah, and I and I thought the Sounders looked about as good as they have uh, certainly since Nico Ladero has 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 come back. Uh, and I don't know, is there much potential? Do you think for like let's just say the Sounders win this game and they like this is obviously getting way ahead of ourselves but is there something to be said about like gaining a foothold gaining some respect by by winning this tournament or does it just get written off as well it's league's cup and of course this is set up for mls to win it no 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 there there is no it gets written off you win because it's versus liga mechies and they want to win because it's major league soccer um there's no well there's a caveat. Well, there's an asterisk on this. No, 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 no. Winning is winning. And big clubs want to win trophies, no matter what the trophy is. Um, that's the mentality down there. That should be mentality up here. Uh, it, it's very easy. Seattle has a, an incredible opportunity. Um, they just beat Tigres, one of the major players in this region for, for the last decade. They can beat, if, if, if they can beat Santos, one of the major players in this, in this region for, for the better part of you know, 15 years, 20 years, um, that's a statement and, yeah. and, you know, who knows, who knows who they'll face in, in the final, it could be Leon, it could be Pumas, but it, those are very, very uh, winnable games for anybody on this side, whether it's Santos 
or Seattle. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I love about these uh, Liga Yankees and MLS matchups is going to the game and seeing sort of the crowd that shows up because it is not what looks like a normal Sounders crowd. It's it's a different crowd. Like there are uh, all of a sudden you re- you are reminded that there is a large a Latino population in the, in the, the region here. And a lot of them are coming out. And one of the favorite things I love seeing is seeing, like, I remember this one picture of, I want to say it was when club America played here and the, the little girl was wearing a sounder shirt and her dad was wearing a club America shirt. And it's like, you see this kind of, that kind of like little thing where it's like the generations are are sometimes battling or whatever. And you see, and it's just, I think it's a great way of bringing a new fan base into the Sounders kind of like reminding them there's a good soccer product here. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the Latino media here actually does a great job of covering the Sounders. And I think it's a reminder that it's like, there's this whole market that we are not really tapping into right now. Yeah, no, the Hispanic media, uh, Latino media in in Seattle does a great job of covering the team. Um, I've been on a few times with them uh, for for analysis, guest analysis and whatnot. They do an amazing job of covering the team. It has a big time feel to it. Um, it, It's always been that that untouched or untapped market, right? That Major League Soccer, by the way, not just Major League Soccer, any, any big Fortune 500 company or blue chip company, they, they want this coveted market because it's the largest in you know, consumer market in the United States. So they, they want this. How do we reach this young Latino millennial? How do we reach these families who, who consistently buy, consistently watch? Uh, it's something that Major League Soccer is getting better at. It's something that U.S. soccer needs to get a lot better at, but it's slowly happening. And before the mindset was, well, they're never going to watch us. They're never going to cheer for us on this side. But then that was the first generation. Now we have second generation, third generation that it's normal for them to cheer for a Premier League team. It's normal for them to have a La Liga team. It's normal for them to see the Sounders, the Galaxy, LAFC, Atlanta. Hey, this is my team. Feel an affinity to that team. But they cheer for the Mexican national team. Mm-hmm. You know, they cheer for Chivas. They cheer for America. They cheer for Santos, Tigres. That You can have this duality to who you cheer for and who you are. And it's not just acceptable. It's like natural to them you know um so so you're tapping into that and we see it more and more i i talk all this time about this revolution that's happening with the u.s soccer fan i shouldn't and i i specifically say the u.s men's national team fan but i I should just be this u.s soccer fan um a lot of the dialogue i have with people on social media young kids you know 18 and like 25 year olds who are content creators who are like these foot soldiers you know, each one has like a thousand or three thousand followers and, and and they love the team. They love they love what they're covering. They love to talk about it. They love to get others involved. And you look at the bios and it's American flag, Brazilian flag, American flag, Mexican flag, American flag, Colombian flag, American flag, Portuguese flag. It's like the duality of this. And, and there's this revolution going on with the way the young kids today, where they come from and how they consume this, um, that I think is going to drive this going forward. And do you think League's Cup legitimately plays a part in all this, like bringing these teams together for more games? It will. It will. I, I think I think once once teams realize what you get for it, how serious it can be, and once it grows in the number of teams, the pandemic threw us for a loop. You know, we had this plan. Um, I say we, as in ESPN, we're covering it, but League's Cup, what it could be, what it will be, how grand it can be. 
nobody wants to see this. I don't want to see a fusion of Major League Soccer League MX. I don't want to see 50 teams. I don't want, I don't want to see, you know, what, what that is. I do want to see this inner league of play, like this cup within a season, this, this season within a season, season within, within leagues. I want to see that. Um, how much pushback CONCACAF gives you, because they may naturally feel it could be a replacement of the CONCACAF Champions League, will be interesting to see. But this is what sells, what captivates in this region. Anytime there's a MLS team that goes far against a Liga Mekis team, people are tuning in. When it's U.S. Men's National Team versus Mexico, people are turning in. The MLS versus Liga Mekis All-Star Game, one of the most watched in the All-Star history, people are turning in. So they like to see these things, and I think it has a lot of potential for growth. You know, what I thought was interesting about the, the All-Star Game is that when the ratings first came out for, I guess, was for FS1, the English language ratings were as bad as they've been. But then you see the ratings on Univision, and it's like, no, this is like the best. Like, you combine those two, and it's like one of the most watched games of all time. Yeah. It's a reminder that it's like, this is a big market. It's not just... It's not like we got to get out of this mentality that the only thing that matters is English language ratings because the Spanish language ratings are sometimes like multiples bigger. And and those that that those are viewers just the same. And it's not and I think it's a mistake to think that they're all uh, Spanish language viewers that sometimes they just like like it's it's English speaking kids who like to consume it through like through yeah. that ear. Absolutely. Uh, two quick things. I, I must have been like the 94 World Cup and. Andres Cantor was was uh, was in his like big moment uh, back then. I think around that time or shortly after, he was like doing like uh, uh, Jay Leno, you know, appearances and whatnot. Uh, but Andres Cantor, who's a really famous um, an- announcer, I remember I was at this comic store um, in Ventura County, and and uh, goal happens, you know, and, and really quickly the clerk was like, change the channel, change the channel. You know, it was a World Cup, and they changed the channel, and it's in Spanish, and you hear Andres Cantor, goal! It's like for like a minute long, and I remember them going crazy, like, yeah, you know, don't know what's going on, but I'm here for the goal call. Yeah. So so you're right. There, there's, there are people who don't speak it, who aren't natives in tongue, but enjoy consuming it. Um, that That is something. And the second story I will tell you is, since I've worked at ESPN, every year I have Don Garber, I have Dan Cordesman, the vice president. I have all these executives from Major League Soccer who come in to the Bristol offices to come into ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. And they beg, they plead, get us on first take, get us on the sports center, get us here, get us there. And it's so difficult for a lot of these producers who don't know what football is. And it's changing a lot. It's getting a lot better. But they're like, yeah, okay, we can try to do that. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I work at the Portes as well and in Spanish. And our growth over the last year was 78% with Major League Soccer games. We're seen in way more countries than just the U.S. We've got eyeballs. We will put you on SportsCenter. We'll put you on Auto Nunca. We'll put you on, you know, Capitanes, Radio Formula, whatever show they had at, at that moment. Like, we can do this. Give us access to these players. You know, like they're, they're not, they're seeing this, but they're not seeing this, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and if I'm a businessman, I don't care how big I am in the States. If I'm huge in Japan or huge in China, you know what I mean? I don't care. I want my business to thrive and MLS, it's getting there in Latin America. It's a, it's a very, it's a very, very seen league um, 
in Latin America, I call games and we have people on Twitter commenting from Bolivia, Paraguay, Argentina, all over Central America, Mexico. Um, we're in, an, we're in a, a time where maybe the teams aren't what people follow. They follow the players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in that moment, you had players like Wayne Rooney, Slatan, Carlos Vela. You know, you had you had big time players in Major League Soccer that attracted eyeballs from all over the world. And even today, Joseph Martinez attracts a lot of attention. You know, Carlos Vela attracts a lot of attention. Javier Hernandez attracts a lot of attention. There's a different fan and what they expect. So it's growing in in these markets, like you say. Yeah. uh, And I, I think it's it's, you know. I think it's great. I love it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married to a, a Mexican American woman. I, uh, have, uh, kids who I hope will eventually start picking up Spanish from their Nana. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I love this stuff. Uh, so anyway, uh, focusing on, on Santos Laguna though, what should we be expecting? Is this the Santos Laguna of, of 2013 vintage? There, there is no Santos Laguna of 2013 vintage just because how stacked that team was. Okay. This team is a very good team, but it's a different team. Um, not so much a name. I mean, that team that I, I used to play on, um, you had guys like Achita Ludueña, who's a Liga Mekis legend. You had Chatito Rodriguez, who, you know, Mexican national team, Liga Mekis legend. You had Felipe Beloy, you know, the only guy in Panama's history to ever score a goal in the World Cup. You know, Osvaldo Sanchez, a Mexican national team, you know, goalkeeping legend. Aaron Galindo, who played for Mexican national team for many years. You had Carlos, Carlos Adrián Moria Morales, uh, who, you know, who the guy won like six finals and, you know, or six championships, six different teams, and he played to like his 40. You know, you had Darwin Quintero, who was in his prime, just crushing yeah. guys. You had Oribe Peralta, just scoring goals left and right. You know, Mark Crosas, who came in from Barcelona, that, that system, um, and, and me in that first year, and it just Freaking seemed like... Gomez trolling Sounders fans. Well, it just, it just seemed like that was my tournament and I couldn't miss. <laughs> you know, funny, funny, funny uh, little little stat. I I always get a lot of crap from, from uh, fans, you know, um, when these games happen. Anytime it's U.S., Mexico, MLS, Liga Mekis, my mentions are blowing up and I have nothing to do with New York City and I'm going to get mentions about why New York City lost to Pumas, you know, whatever the case may be. I am the... Mexican player with the most goals against major league soccer teams in <laughs> champions league history, you know, and, and all these, it, it's funny when, when you, when you, when you see the stat and you're like, well, you're welcome, you know, to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and a few of them came here. I remember once very specifically at CenturyLink field or Lumen field, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, going, so going I, back, going back to Santos, what you were saying, this yeah. Santos team, they're a very good team. They're very, high press direct um in the, in their approach in their pressure the players have almada their coach um he he preaches this game flow the high tempo he doesn't want their players you know drawing fouls he doesn't want them taking time he wants the ball on the ground and moving he wants them to suffocate the opponent they're they're a very good team especially out wide they've got some very good players 1v1 um not a lot of big names per se um, but players in very good moments. Uh, I, I would probably say their their biggest name right now is their center back, a Brazilian center back named Doria Acevedo, their goalkeeper. He's a he looks like he came out of a white snake like video, but he's he's a very good goalkeeper. Uh, remains to be seen if he will be fit on time. Um, he's he's suffering a, a shoulder injury right now, but they've got Ocampos on the left hand side, this nineteen year old kid who flies. 
Um, they've got some playmakers. They've got some players. They're just not big names, but they've got some players that can hurt any team. Well, uh, that that should be an interesting one. Uh, I don't know what the attendance is going to look like, but if it was like the T-Gooders game, I guess there it could be a big walk-up crowd. Uh, and uh, and it was actually a pretty good. I thought it was a pretty good crowd. It was a lively crowd in the first one. Um, I'm looking forward to this, and and who knows what happens if they get to Vegas? That could be. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm interested to see what a Vegas final, uh, hopefully between an MLS team and a Liga MX team, would look like. It could just be a lot of fun. It, it would be a lot of fun. Uh, Seattle's got a huge crowd in Las Vegas. Uh, I could tell you from oh, being there, and yeah. they scout in Vegas, so there there are That's definitely right. some. Danny Leva's yeah crew could be there. Yeah, Danny Leva. There, there's there are definitely a lot of roots uh, for Seattle in Las Vegas. Uh, Seattle Sounders make fun games. Regardless, I've called a lot of games this season. Win or lose, the games are fun. Uh, and Santos and Seattle have some some history, so I'm excited to call this game. Sebastian Salazar and I will be calling this game uh, for ESPN. So tune in; uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, I I have a whole cat whole bunch of stuff that sometime I'm going to have to get you to talk about again. But uh, this was, I think, a good tight uh, uh, conversation that was focused on. Uh, on this partnership between Leagues Cup and or between MLS and Liga Amikis. And hopefully, I'm trying to teach myself to say Liga Amikis and not say Liga MX because it sounds wrong to say Liga MX, right? It's wrong. Yeah, everybody's got the, you know, <laughs> it's whatever you say. Just enjoy it. Liga Amikis, MLS, whatever you want. They, it, just enjoy. You know? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to work on it anyway. I keep I keep practicing with my wife saying, is this sound right? Is it Emekis? Emekis? It it's like a, it's a tricky thing. It's like, the it's, like, it's like the beer, Dos Equis. There you go. That's how you remember it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Herc. Uh, people should obviously be following you on Twitter. They should be listening to Football Americas, which is I, I listen to it on a podcast. You can also listen to it on ESPN plus, or you can watch it on ESPN plus, yeah. but it's actually, I think it's a very, it works very well as a podcast. I listen to it basically every week. Yeah, I, I, I've not, I try not to re-listen my co-hosts to my co-host or his voice. Uh, if yeah. I can avoid it, uh, but, I can but appreciate that. yeah, but if you watch it, the production level is very high. Um, I have to tip my hat to ESPN and the resources they've given us. It's a high production level and, and listen, something that's sorely been missed um, for, for this region and its fans, uh, people always thought it was niche, but it's blowing up and I, I couldn't be more thrilled to be part of it. Football America's on ESPN plus. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'll, I'll just say, I think I asked you this, uh, I said, is it a, would you call it a Chicano show? And it, and I think I, I took it from the wrong angle. It's not, it's just talking about, uh, football in America, like all of yeah. America's. It, well, it yeah, to, it, a couple it's, of Chicanos it's, that are doing it. It's yeah, it's it happens to be two Chicanos that are doing it, but it's through our lens uh, of the sport here, whether that's Major League Soccer, Liga Mekis, whether that's the national teams, and we try to be as inclusive as we can. We're only an hour show, so yeah. it, it it gets it gets uh, tricky, but uh, yeah, come on. Covered a lot of good. I think it's a great though. I will say this: I'll give you a plug on it. It's a great tool to understand what's going on in soccer in the region. And without, without like kind of, it's like tearing down those borders and it's, it's a lot of MLS. It's a lot of league amicies. It's a lot of uh, national team talk. Uh, there was some great national team talk, especially this last, this last episode, which I literally just finished listening to before uh, you came on here. So thanks for doing this, Herc. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me. All right. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.